Streamed in over 50 countries. We have to say hello to, to Nigel in Hong Kong, who single-handedly managed to get us to, wait for this, Dan, number nine, <laughs> number nine on the Apple podcast charts for British football shows in Hong Kong. Over 40 guest interviews and counting. We would like to welcome to the St. Johnson podcast, ex-Scotland internationalist and all-round hero, Del Boy, John O'Neill. It's the Dogger Saints' pleasure to introduce Liam Craig, Michael Jubilee, the St. Johnson legend, Stephen Anderson. How you doing, buddy? You okay? I'm alright, just doing away, do you? It's Hall of Fame member Nick Dazovich. How you guys doing? Over 3,000 pounds worth of terrible merchandise disgust. But it is a dog waste bag dispenser. With <laughs> <laughs> a Bournemouth badge on it. Join Sam and Dan as they chat about the mighty Perth St. Johnstone. Stephen Anderson scores! It's come through to McLean! It's the Dogger Saints Podcast. Hello and Merry Christmas, everyone. I am Sam Miller, and this is the Dogger Saints Podcast, your unofficial St. Johnson podcast. And I am joined by the man that puts the hole in ho ho ho, a resident Danta Claus, it's Danny Williams. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not shout. I'm telling you why. Because we've got to make you watch the Saints game on repeat if you do. <laughs> because that is very, very bad behaviour. And you deserve to be punished as such. It wasn't ideal. Oh. We will get to that, though. We will get to the Saints game, uh, the match against Rangers and Motherwell, very, very briefly. We'll talk about the current Saints form. We have to bring it up. Not very good. Got Davy Irons on. We will talk with him about his time with Saints, which was kind of... Fucking a litter of injuries, but he was also the Gretna manager when they got promoted to the Premier League, pipping St. Johnson last day of the season. We wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't ask him about that. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for saying that because as you will come to realise, Dave is the nicest man in the world. Yeah, he's, it's a brilliant interview. We've got that for you later on. We have got a trip to the Royal with, with our good pal George. Oh, what a character. And a very special club shop of shame where... Uh, St. Johnston under the spotlight, and also the Glasgow Rangers. This is a belter this week. This is top Hall of Fame club shop of shame. It really, really is. We've also got Wendy Who, our mystery voice competition. We are going to York to speak to Mike Pringle on this one this week. Well, what a thrill. Let's get to it. Fur Park. Dear me. Deary, deary me. Now, I'm going to preface this as I tend to do, because we are pretty soft. We're... We are what, you know, we we don't tend to get too emotional about things either way. We got a bit emotional when we're winning stuff. But a different kind of emotion. We're in deep, deep shit, though. It's not looking good at the moment, is it? We can't really dress it up. The, the results aren't looking good. We know what the problem is up front. But now maybe soft, we're letting soft goals in now as well. It's, it's A lot of people are calling for Callum's head. I still think that's ridiculous. In my opinion, I don't know about you, but I'm wanting to give him January and let him get some signings. And you have to give him January to make change because he was hit with losing McCann and Kerr so late, he ha- which was forced through by McCann and his agent who pleaded to get out, get the deal done and over the line. It was out of St. Johnson's hands to an extent there. It wasn't, no, because he was under contract. So he could have just said no. Yeah. He'd, have got all, he'd have got over it. He might have sold for a couple of days. He'd have got over it. I'm, I'm very much the same as you. I think maybe it's the way football is now, but... 
And the first sign of trouble, fans do start to, understandably, do start to worry. And, and the person who always carries the can for a poor run of form or for when things aren't going well is the manager. So, yeah, and way football, it, it, clubs, don't get me wrong, there are some clubs, Callum would have been out the door. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's right. I really don't. I mean, and it, you can even talk about the success last season and all that jazz as a reason why he's not, you know, as a reason why the club might not want to get rid. And I just think that's a perfectly valid reason because if he's good enough to do that, he's good enough to get us out of the mire at the minute. But you look at um, Leicester City, what did they do six months after they won the title? Sack the Tinker Man. Yeah. So, and I thought that was a bit ludicrous, but, you know, it... You've got to make the right decision at the right time. Actually, probably because they were spiraling towards relegation, but not no two cases are the same. And yeah, I just think if you, I just think it'd be a really, really daft time to change manager full stop, but also to get rid of a, a manager. I still think he's a very, very promising young manager, and he is a young manager, and he is making mistakes. But that's how you learn, and he's probably got to start learning pretty quickly admittedly, but, you know, it's, I think, calls for his head are very, very, very hasty. I think so. You've got to give him January. You've got to give him that transfer window to to bring back Danny Swanson. <laughs> Mike and Andre, right? Get them all back in. I said the other day, speaking of um, managers heading down to the job centre, um, I said the other day, I know full well if Tommy was still in charge, Mike Kennedy and Dre Wright would be on the way back. <laughs> we loved signing wingers that have played for us before. But I would take them back. I'd take Matty back. The problem is, if we do that, and you're looking at... We, no, that isn't the point I was trying to make at all. The point I'm trying to make is, one of the reasons why we're in the sort of dirt at the minute is because you look at a squad, and obviously what happened on deadline day plays into this. It's a lot of people nobody else wanted. And it can work, and it's worked before for Saints, but it is a risk. It sort of, I actually think a couple of the signings were made very recently, although Viv might be on his way out anyway. But he's out of contract Viv, in two weeks, bizarrely. Yeah, he's out of contract in two weeks. But I hope maybe there's a view to keeping him on, because I think there's something there. I think there's a, I think there's a footballer in there. And I think the, uh, I thought... The bottom man, we'll come on to all this later, but I thought the bottom man looked... <laughs> I thought he looked pretty good um, in the sort of one and a bit games he's played. So I think you've got to look at January. He's got to be backed. And then if it still continues to go tits up from there, after he has had a chance to, you know, put his own mark on things, then, yeah, then maybe arguments to, that he's not the guy carry a bit more weight but at the minute I still think they're pretty daft arguments yeah let's touch that's on just my, that's just my opinion we've all got opinions like our souls everyone's got one um, they all stink <laughs> um, <laughs> let's touch on the Motherwell game really briefly I don't really want to talk about it too much but there was one little bit in this match which really summed up for me uh, Craig Bryson who I thought was the epitome of professionalism throughout he was throwing himself into everything the, the ball went out for throwing at one point and he was screaming screaming at Glenn Middleton to turn around and face it like they were just dondering away I could, you could actually hear from the stand and it was on the halfway line Craig Bryson shouting on Glenn to turn around so he could throw the ball yeah. for a quick throw in 
and they were just lethargic to get to. And that really summed up that whole match for me. That one, that just that one little bit. I think you're absolutely right, and it was yeah. Glenn, I mean, Glenn, I, I love it. I, I still think there's a tremendous player in there, and what he did when he came in last season, absolutely love him. But it's just not looking like it's working out this time for whatever reason. It's really not looking like it's working out this time round, and I think he's not looking. It's, as you say, that was just he, he seems to be in his own little world at that point in time as he should be. And if you're a defender, you're marking him, you're looking at him and you're thinking, well, I'll, I'll just stand here then because yeah. you're not you're not looking for the ball. It's an easy job because you should be turning around, you should be facing the plane, you should be, you know, not mean it sound like Roy Keane, digging a few elbows in or something like that, just uh, making a pest of yourself. Um, but, it, yeah, it, as you say, it summed it up. The other one for me was, as I said, don't ever like going personal on players at all, but Michael O'Halloran's come on. And he's gone out on the wing and he's fetched himself on the wing. And the left back and the left winger are both sort of have gone inside. And I can understand what he's thinking. He's thinking, oh, I'm in acres of space. The reason they've gone inside and he had acres of space was because he was a mile off the play. Mm-hmm. The ball's on the other side of the park. The ball's on the left wing. Well, at left back, probably. And O'Halloran's sort of just dandering about, thinking he's got all the space in the world. I'm not being funny. Nobody's hitting that pass over to him. And then if they do, then the left back and the left winger have got all the time in the world while the ball's in the air to, to get back in into position. It was just, yeah, I, I just think there's some strange, when we talk about a manager, I think there's some strange decision-making from players at the minute. I do always say this, players do need to take a little bit of responsibility. And yesterday, I'm looking at it, as you've already touched upon, Craig Bryson was, as he has been sort of throughout this slump, the real bright spot, He's, he's near the end of his career in the start and he's not going to be able to play every week because we all know he's had a, he missed the first part of the season with real injury trouble. Mm-hmm. And I, but I thought, again, I thought he was certainly our best player out on that pitch. thought they've had a good game for his first start. Other than that, it, it, it just looked like, and I saw after the, what, what actually spots me in the game as well, was after they scored the, the opening goal, after Mother went ahead, the body language, the heads just dropped. Someone, I can't remember it was, was actually lying on the lying on the floor. It was like the Bayern Munich plays in the 1999 Champions League final. I'm like, I'm thinking, and Liam Gordon, as the captain, he's then he's like trying, he's trying his best. He's trying to get everyone up, and he's you know whirling his arms around, telling everyone to pick themselves up. And you're thinking, lads, there's an there's an hour to go in this game against a team who probably say all things being equal and. Have, both teams being at the best, we're not a million, you know, we're pretty evenly matched with. It was just, it was almost like, and it's understandable given what usually happens when we go behind, but it was almost like, oh, shit, here we go again. And you can't, you can't be like that. I think there's a massive confidence issue in the side at the minute. And yeah, it is it, difficult to see where we turn it around, but there's a lot of football still to be played this season. And you've just got to, You've got to be com- not confident, but you've got to be hopeful that because there's a lot of football to be played, we're looking back on this at the end of the season after we've sneaked into sixth place and we're laughing. <laughs> Indeed. But speaking of laughing, let's let's make things positive. Shall we have a bit of positive moment? Yes. Nice. I got this tonight. Oh, let me get it. This my f- this my friend is a Christmas present. All right. For us. For us. It has. It's for us. Yeah. He's buying us presents. Uh, a good listener and a good friend, Andy Miller. Oh, Andy. He's got us a Christmas present and I've not opened it. I don't know what it is, but we'll open it. Let's have a look. 
Oh, what a thing of absolute beauty. Check out that. Oh, wow. This is a multi a multi frame and it's got the Dogger Saints logo in it, a picture of me and Dan. We love the 90s, Nick Dazvich, and also a small nod to the Amon View podcast. There's a photo of the four of us there and their logo as well. Look at that. And Andy, you beautiful man. What a lovely thing to do. That's a I mean, you can get them West Lovian oddballs out of the road. But apart, but apart from that, we love the nineties is, is in there. That is a lovely thing. We'll put a photo up that in line. Very much appreciate that. That is what a what a lovely thing. That's absolutely that has that has cheered me up immeasurably. I feel a bit guilty now because I give my El Paz coffee club mug. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even got one of them yet. So. Still still available at uh, uh, doggerscenes.com. Andy, that is a bloody uh, lovely gift. Yeah, thank you so much, Andy. That is absolutely lovely. And yeah, I'm a bit bit um bit lost for words at that. That's fantastic. <laughs> it's uh Oh, it's speaking great. of the Avon View podcast Go and on. mugs, Go on. we still have not received two mugs that we paid good money for. That is absolutely 100% accurate. We we thought they'd do a bit because they bought a Dogger Saints mug, so we they they produced their own range of Avon View mugs. We thought, you know what? We'll buy one. We'll support their cause. Have we received it? No. No. And you know what I blame? Go on. Liam Ennis. I blame Liam Ennis as well. Who no. got married recently. Congratulations, Tom. But yeah, apparently, it t- <laughs> apparently it turned into a bit of an Omicron festival. Oh dear. Yeah, they're all a wee bit under the weather now, most of the people who uh, attended that wedding, which isn't ideal, but... That's, feel, that's feel, what I was leading on to, not about the Omicron, but um, as I was tearing down Liam Innes now, massive congratulations to, to Liam on his recent nuptials and also to Thomas from the Almond View podcast, who has missed the last few episodes because he got a dog. Dogs don't do anything. <laughs> It's a 40-minute episode tops they do a, a week. 40 minutes. And... <laughs> Apparently, because Thomas's um, Thomas's fiance, she plays for the Living Women's team. Okay. And so, apparently, they have training at the same time as recording. She's out training at the same time as recording. And, yeah, he's apparently he has to keep an eye on the dog at every single second of this time. That's a frightening statistic. Nonsense. But congratulations to Liam. Andy, thank you very much for the, the lovely gift. It's not naff or cheesy at all, and it's definitely going up on my wall. Yeah, that's that's so sweet. That's unbelievable. What a guy. And but- so that, that was that was lovely. That was a nice little happy thing. And because it was much more pleasant talking about happy things than football, uh, we will calm the football for a minute. And what are we going to go to, Sam? You tell me. You let me know. I'm, I need to know. Let's do a competition. Wendy who? Wendy, Wendy who, Wendy who, yeah. Wendy, Wendy who, Wendy who, yeah. Who's it gonna be? Wendy, Wendy who, Wendy who, yeah. Who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? It's the mystery voice competition. Here's the clip. Hi, I'm... <laughs> and I'm the Dog of Saints mystery voice. We found out last week it is not Roddy Grant. He was the first guest of the competition. The winner of this, whoever gets it, will win a Dogger Saints goodie bag, including an AFC Bournemouth dog poo bag holder. But we'll also add to this this week. We'll let you know at the end what we're going to be adding to the prize bundle if it has not been won today. But we've got a listener lined up. Do you want to speak to them, Dan? I can't think of anything I'd enjoy more, Sam. Oh, Saints winning. I can't think of anything realistic that I'd enjoy more, Sam. <laughs> Let's go... And speak to Mike. How you doing, buddy? You okay? No bad lads. Yeah, very well. Thanks. How are you two guys doing? Very, very well. I got all my Christmas shopping done today in one foul swoop, and I'm absolutely delighted with that. 
Oh, I'm still miles behind, but other than that, I'm not so bad, Mike. Thanks. Good stuff. Well, I'm, I'm... well I've not done mine yet, but I kind of like I'm a shopping ninja when it comes to Christmas shopping. It all gets done in one day because the thought of going back out again to do it a second day just horrifies me. So it all gets done in one day. If in doubt, the BP garage. Some, there's always someone lurking about the counter. Whereabouts in the world are you, Mike? I'm in York, actually. Yeah, I um, grew up in Perth and uh, I've been in York now for 20 years. Nice. Lovely part of the world. I've been to York yep. races. If you went to York races for my brother Stag, it's a great day. Oh, I went to muscle races for my brother Stag, dude. <laughs> Just probably pass each other on the way. Um, I got a Perth races because it's about 20 minutes from my front door. <laughs> well, there we go. Oh, yeah. Good day out. But um, you yeah, saw it on the same. The glamour. That's it. You get to keep in touch with St. Johnson in, in New York. Yeah, I do. I don't get up to see them as often as I'd like. I mean, the last match I was at was Galatasaray home. Okay. So, you know. Maybe not a bad thing. Maybe one of these... Uh, <laughs> yeah, could be classed as a glory hunter these days, I suppose. But I've been going since uh, I've been going since 1969. So you know that you can be classified as a bona fide fan. 50 years as a Saints fan, that's right. And obviously, you've probably heard a lot of St. Johnson names and players and voices in that time. And you thought you would take come on for a wee stab to guess at our mystery voice. Yes, I have an idea. Yeah, my first thought. My first thought was uh, when I realised it wasn't necessarily a player, I was thinking, oh, well, it's maybe the chairman, you know. Right. Maybe you Steve. thought it was Steve, I, right, okay. You said it, I did, and, um, and I went back through your guests. So I tried to approach this scientifically, you know. I thought, <laughs> right, they must have spoken to him, you know. Because they, they always say, I would sometimes say, oh, if, if you need uh, anything else, give us a shout. And I thought, well, they've gone back to one of their guests, you know. So Dan, we've been rumbled. Dan, we have been rumbled. Well, that didn't yield anything. I couldn't match any of that. <laughs> and then it struck me. Go on. Fame. I'm thinking it's only Doogie Barron. Doogie Barron. It's a name that has not came up yet from some of the examples that come in, but we have we have approached Doogie Barron. I can tell you that yes, much from the get-go. I'm locking that in. I'm locking it. You're locking, locking it, in. it in. Right, here's the clip one more time. Hi, I'm... <laughs> and I'm the Dogger Saints mystery voice. Is the Dogger Saints mystery voice Doogie Barron? <laughs> No, that's the wrong button. No, that's the wrong button. So every single week, every single week, right? That's it's the green. That's part of the charm. That's it. The big green button, right? Here we go. It is not Doogie Barron, but that is a great shout, though. What a shout! Incredible. Well, I thought Edinburgh accent, you know, well, maybe it's not in Edinburgh, it's, definitely, it's not a West Coast accent, so I thought, ah, it's Doogie Barn. I even, I even said to the wife, I says, look, do you, you think that could be him? She was like, definitely. Well, <laughs> there we so go. There we go. <laughs> but we very much appreciate you coming on. I think this could be a long runner, potentially. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Mike, thanks for coming on. Really, really appreciate it, buddy. Oh, uh, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Nice to speak to you guys. No, not at all. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for having a go. Back. And hopefully we'll speak to you again if you want to come on for another go. Aye, that'd be great. No bother. Thanks, lads. Good man. Thanks again, mate. Chat. Catch you later. Bye bye. Cheers, man. Hey, Sam. Bye, Danny. An incorrect answer, Doogie Barron. 12 years at Saints. Oh, I mean, what a servant. A whole, a stalwart of the 80s. We don't like the 80s. I don't know. I do enjoy a bit of the 80s, but not as much as I like the 90s. Do love the 90s. Shall we move on? Let's. Let's move on to this. What's the shop? Club shop of shame. What's the shop? Club shop of shame. What's the shop? Club shop of shame. What's the shop? Shame. It's the club shop of shame, and we are now Perth's premium merchandise reviewers. 
He's been put into official terms. By official St. Johnston things. By actual St. Johnston. Yeah, we were, for anybody who doesn't know who's maybe not on social media, we and Dan were uh, invited along to St. Johnston to view their new range uh, for for their club shop. What an honour. But also, what a sensible decision by the club. (laughs) They know that we are the the cornerstone if something is either fame or shame. I know soccer and I know goods. (laughs) You put the two together. What, what else are you going to call? Exactly. Some people might think that uh, St. Johnson selling a St. Johnson branded uh, apron and oven gloves would be a terrible idea. I beg to differ. They were quality. They were quality material, particularly the apron. That was which lovely. Which was actually, actually endorsed by Lynn, who's the head chef up at McDermott. Yeah, she loved it as well. I thought the oven gloves were great. Good, good terry towel and quality. I think my wife would love that for Christmas. She loves cooking every night. And I think nothing <laughs> would improve. <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face. She would fucking, she would hate it and I'd get divorced if I bought her that. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago, my dad bought my mum a Karcher window washer, which <laughs> thankfully she actually loved. <laughs> so he did buy her something else on top of this. So it wasn't just that. <laughs> but I was very, very worried about which direction that was going to go. Yeah, and that's no idea. That's always in the, the, the kind of bracket of Remember the Simpsons way back when Homer bought Marge a bowling ball with Homer on it because <laughs> he wanted it for yeah. himself. Oh, that's it. That's, that's like, like we've, I've got no this year, the Oculus Quest 2, you know, the VR headset. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted that, but I kind of wanted it more. One of them was. Well, I could, I could see what direction that was going in. That's it. But he may enjoy it. Not as much as I will when nobody's home. Anyway, let's move on. It's the club shop. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, <clears throat> it's the club shop of shame. And we have got the beauty. If you've got a Rangers fan in your life, my wife's a Rangers fan, unfortunately. If anyone's going to be doing the divorcing, yeah, she'd be me based on that purely alone. Yeah. I wouldn't say she's a Rangers fan anymore. She she liked Rangers when she was younger, and I might just have just the late Christmas gift for her. Well, you think of Christmas, Sam, and you think of what you give to the special person in your life. Buster, some treats. Yeah, but the other, you know, the slightly less special person <laughs> than the dog. You think? What are you thinking? What what are the what are the classics really? Perfume. That's always a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a she, nice new coat. She's not listening this week because I'm going to edit all myself because she's dead busy. So um, I've got her both both of them things. I've got her a big I've got her a big Arsene Wenger coat because that's what she wanted. Because Samantha had one. She'll, so. she'll enjoy that. Yeah. So and I got her some perfume. I got her what she wanted. And if any girls know this, how how bad this is, it's called Charlie Red, and it costs about a fiver from Semikem, but she likes it, so I've gone with it. She's not a class actor. You can take the girl out of Slamanin. <laughs> yeah. Falkirk's finest. Anyway, so there's a couple of classics. But the old, the old sort of classic is a bit of jewellery. bit of jewellery. That always goes down well, doesn't it? Hmm. Now, as you've already explained, your wife has an affiliation for, for the Rangers. She might like a bit of jewellery. She does. So, listeners, yeah. So, listeners, if your partner is like Lynn and fits into those categories, we've got just the item for you. We have got the, <laughs> the Rangers official... Ready Crest Gold Heavy Signet Ring, 16 millimeter. <laughs> well, that's the main thing. I don't know what the 16 mil is. That the diameter? Surely the ring sizes are. Yeah, diameter of it. Yeah, well, there we go. That's, that sounds okay. That all sounds fairly, fairly fine. Just a signet ring with the range. Taking this ready badge is just the RFC, like. Uh... Yeah, it's the, it's just the, it's actually just the badge. It's it's just the Rangers badge, but they have to call it something different because cheeks of that particular arse are really weird. Anyway. <laughs> 
I'm going to go straight to a description. Sam. Good, good. You do that. Because I've actually got one this week. Good. The famous Ready Crest, sounds like Ready Breck, a hearty <laughs> breakfast roll, like is available on is available on this 16mm heavyweighted signet ring. Free personalization with Rangers FC topography font. We'll come back to that. <laughs> Round signet size, um, weight 11.2 grams approximately. I don't want approximate ranges. That's how you got into trouble with your approximate account. <laughs> yeah. You big cheating bastards. <laughs> nine, nine CT. I'm, I'm being fake there because I don't know. I'm assuming that's a unit of measurement. Yellow gold hallmarked. Official Rangers FC licensed product. If you are not sure of your ring finger size, select the option require ring size and kit. That's not a sentence. No. And we will post one out as soon as... Your order is placed. You can also check out our size and guide it over there. All right, so not okay. much to go off there. Right, I'm looking it at it here. very descriptive description. I'm looking at it here, but uh, the silver one randomly came up. This re- Ready Crest Silver Signet Heavyweight Ring. This is only 50 millimeter. Um, I don't oh. know why I'm doing this one. It's only 90 quid. It's a bargain. It's not bad at that. The silver. If that's the sort of thing you'd wear, I would not. No, it's naff. It's gauche, in my opinion. <laughs> it's not for me. But, I, I mean, I think it'd suit maybe... Um, Lynn. I wasn't going to say Lynn. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, it wouldn't look out of place on Rangers supporting darts player, Andy the Viking Fordham. Nice. Dead. <laughs> oh, it's dart season. Rest in, rest in peace, big man. Anyway. Um, 48 bottles of beer a day he drank. That's incredible. Oh, he says when he won the world championship, he couldn't remember it, but it was a write-up in the paper. Because he used to have an interval at the lakeside, didn't he? In the middle mm-hmm. of the final. They go off for like half an hour. And he said, one of the, the, right up in the paper said, one of the players hit the practice board. The other one drank two bottles of lager and two large brandies. And so he <laughs> said, don't remember it, but now I know what I did during the interval. <laughs> nice. Uh, it was a good man. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, so it, it's the sort of thing that, if you're into it, and go for it. But you can, what really adds to the whole thing, Sam? Go on. Is at no additional cost, and we'll get to the cost in a bit. You can have you can have it engraved on the inside. Okay. So if you wanted to, I'm trying to think of what. So maybe you want to, your wife's called Debbie. I've picked my Rangers supporting mate's wife's name. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, I just I was wondering how you landed on Debbie. You can have it engraved. I, I don't know. Maybe or fifty five. You could have it on the inside if you wanted. Fifty five. Um. You could have. You could have. Two grand, I don't know, and anything. But that is included at no additional cost. I mean, there's not a lot more to describe. Oh, it's engraved on the outside with Rangers in 1872, so the formation of the uh, first Rangers. And <laughs> it's got 2011 written on the side. <laughs> Twelve. Yeah, I've, 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 honestly, I was going to have to go look that up and edit that out there because I wasn't sure of the year, but yeah, 2012. <laughs> Saved me a bit of hassle there. Comes in a it comes in a fetching little little box. So we'll go for it. We've established it's not for me. Uh, it's not to my taste, but that's all very personal. So we're not going to go down that road. Is it a bit pointless? In my opinion, yes, but in other people's, it might not be. So I've not gone too heavy on the first two litmus tests because I'm about to go completely and utterly balls deep on this <laughs> on the third and final litmus test. Sam, how much was the silver again? Ninety pounds. Ninety pounds. Yeah. 699 quid for the gold one. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say to that? 700 pounds. Oh, what? I'm, I'm sort of lost for words. The engraving's included in that. Oh, well, um, fuck for that. 
up to 70 characters I've discovered. Um, How'd you squeeze 70 characters on a ring? I'm trying to work that out. You must get them folk like you used to get at Glastonbury. You'd paint, paint your name on a grade of rag. <laughs> That's it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, 700 quid to look like you're going through the qualifying rounds at Lakeside. Nice. That's, that's it goes in just for that alone, 700 quid. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's absolutely in. <laughs> it's, I mean... Now, I'm not big on precious metals, but I know gold is more expensive than silver. But to that jump? Maybe someone out there who listens to this could advise on the different values of precious metals because I'm absolutely no expert either. If anybody, that seems a hell of a jump, 610 quid. Yeah, if anybody's got one, uh, we'd love to get you on so we can talk about your ring. So if you want to come and do that, that'd be great. If you want Sam and Dan to explore your ring expertise. <laughs> uh, there was always a, a wee ring joke going to get thrown in there somehow, but... I know. We've got bit of blue. Bit of blue for the dads. Bit of blue for the dads. It's that time of year, it's fine. So the Rangers, can you give us a full title again, please? The Ready Crest Gold Heavy Signet Ring. 16mm. For £699. Club shop of shame, it goes straight in. But if you've got that kind of money floating around, you might want to buy that for your loved one. I can assure you, I will not be. No. It's not for me. But it's. I would rather give... I, honestly, I think Lynn would probably prefer the St. Johnson apron and oven glove combo. And for the same price as the ring, she could get 23 oven gloves and 23 aprons for the same price as one ring. Now that is good economics. <laughs> Hashtag club shop maths. <laughs> Hashtag free Britney. Anyway. Um... Yeah, that's... If you want to get one, or if you do genuinely know anybody who's got one, let us know because that sounds awfully, awfully expensive and it's a lot of crap. But... Thanks to Ruben McDonald who sent that in. I really appreciate that. He got in touch through Twitter to share that bit of knowledge. He also sent me a West Ham hammer. I don't know whether I could put that in. I think it's pretty good. Because, yeah, it'd be worth discussion. I think so. But if you have seen something that should be up for discussion, let us know. And if you want to know how to get in touch with us and what to look out for, I only know one man that can give you these examples. It's Daniel Bryan Williams. Which I've never actually got in touch with. I can't believe you're named kind of after a WWE wrestler. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Daniel Bryan's brilliant. That's good. Oh, that's, that's never came to me until I was thinking about it earlier on. Oh, there we go. You've got a better beard. Right, Dan, take it away. You've just mentioned the sport there, so. The wrestling. However, I'm not going to talk about the wrestling. I want to talk about the football. Good. Now... Often, as you know, in this little section, I like to relate it back to Scottish football, the wonderful world of the glorious cinch. Let's take a little bit of a different path today. So, the Barclays was on earlier. Tottenham against Liverpool. Duty. Archbishop Desmond. <laughs> Played out of Desmond. At, uh, in, at <laughs> but what we saw there was the captains of England and Scotland facing off. Andy Robertson of Liverpool, the Scotland captain and Harry Kane of Tottenham, the England captain. Now, this got me thinking. Did it? I think I think at this time of year, at Christmas, what you really... There's numerous ways you can go with your gifts, isn't there? You know, you can... Electronics, there's um, clothing. But some people like to get gifts that can stimulate the mind. And, yeah, remember brain training? I do, that yeah. Was a, that was a that was a big thing for a while, wasn't it? On the on the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. This got me thinking. Stimulating the mind. Yeah. That's what you gotta do, aren't you? 
And so, listeners, you know where I'm going with this. I know where I'm going with this. Sam, I reckon you know where I'm going with this. Not a fucking yes. clue. That's right. That's right. That's where I'm going with this. We're going to go big time. We're going to live it large. And the Christmas gift everyone wants is Harry Kane's Guide to Theoretical Physics. <laughs> Jesus. Soccer's most intelligent man. Follows <laughs> <laughs> in the footsteps of big Albie Einstein and he's on the theoretical physics. He's talking all this. But he's debunking this. He's, de- he's going into the theory of relativity. He's, he's, he's got it all going on in, in this handy compendium that he has compiled. And I think we all want it. I think we all want to read this. And I know it's out there and you know it's out there. So I'm going to... I'm going to tell you, I've got to tell you, I need to tell you, I'm aching to tell you, I'm yearning to tell you. How you get in touch with us? How you get in touch with the boys if you've seen this masterpiece of education? So you get in touch with us. You can go Douglas Saints on Instagram, Douglas Saints on Twitter, DougasSaints.com, the contact section, and the old facey, facey beat. If you get kicked off the banter page, you give it a little bit of time, you get back on it, you start shithousing again immediately. <laughs> He's back, we spotted him. <laughs> He's back for people who, if, if you know, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so that's what you do. You get off all, you, you, you forget about all of that and you just concentrate on coming to let the boys know. Harry Kane's Guide to Theoret- Theoretical Physics, 1999, WH Smith. Woo, get there. <laughs> That's a great time to play the same tune just now. It's a very, uh, very festive. Yeah, oh, yeah. Tis the season, but it's tis the season to find St. Johnson players out and about. This is George O'Boy and the Royal. Where have you seen St. Johnson players? What have they been doing? Was it even a St. Johnson player? We've got one of them today. We have got a couple to talk about. And Dan, I will t- pass this. These are brilliant this week, randomly, but go for it, Dan. We have entered the metaverse because now what we have got is failed old boils. <laughs> We're scraping the barrel. So the first one comes into us from our mate Alex McKenzie, who actually played um, in the Works five-a-side tournament with Alex on Thursday night. I've seen photos he, he got very bruised. He got very, very bruised. And he, he was playing in goal. <laughs> That's impressive. So he, he put everything on the line. Anyway, so Alex, <laughs> Alex got in touch with us, and it was a live situation that was going down as it was going on, and it was a bit of a roller coaster. Alex starts. I'm at the barbers and I think Rooney is here. Sean, not Wayne or Mickey. However, I don't have my glasses on, so it could just be a random West Coaster with blonde tips and a beard poking through his mask. Updates to follow. To be fair, random West Coaster with blonde tips and a beard, I can be forgiven for... I can see where Alex is coming from there. Yeah. First thing he thought of, text the boys, let us know, and that is what exactly what we want you to do. That's what we want you to do, and I'll tell you how to do that in a bit. Anyway, he goes on to say, false alarm. <laughs> five, give it five minutes here. False alarm. And that could have been embarrassing. I've also got a bit of an update to this story as well. Go on. Because he was, he was, saying, he was sort of regaling it on Thursday night. If you lads. And he said, when this bloke stood up, <laughs> he said, in terms of physicality, he was about a million miles away from Sean Rooney. <laughs> He was a slightly larger chap than than your average professional footballer. Right, okay. So, yeah. Anyway, 
So, I mean, that is... I'm not going to lie, it's not going to win the many awards for, for St. John's and George O'Boyle in the Royal Spots. It's not going to win any awards, but it was a great story nonetheless. I enjoy it because it, it shows the, the tantalising nature of the O'Boyle. And it shows that people are on their toes to keep an eye out for these St. John's players. And that's exactly what we want. But you, it's exactly what we want. That is exactly the direction we want you people to take around and about Perth. And that'd be quite a wholesome story, seeing Sean Rooney getting a haircut. That'd be a very wholesome tale. Yeah, the problem is, I reckon, because he's still in Glasgow, doesn't he? Well, he still lives yeah. down that way. So I reckon he's probably got some, he's probably got a barber down there, and he yeah. seems the type. Anyway. Anyway, that was a that was a reasonably wholesome non-spot. Our next one, not so wholesome. <laughs> so this is our, this is our mate Norrie, right? And... I just think this is quite funny. So, Norrie's in the gym. I mean, I've seen Jim's here, doesn't he? Yeah, the, the new one the down one, yeah. Yeah, new one down the retail park. Now, Norrie's, I think he's, he was doing some work on the mats and he's spotted a chap working out next to him who bore a resemblance to our new signing, Viv Solomon Otterbar. Now, <laughs> what did Norrie try to do? Well, he wanted confirmation if it was Viv. So he's trying to sneak a picture to send to, you know, to send around for confirmation. Unfortunately, he's made a bit of an arse of it and didn't realise his flash was on. <laughs> so, like, the lad, the lad's got his head down. Because at this point, Vivid only just signed. So the lad's got his head down and working out. And so Norris trying to sneak a pic and then obviously has just totally fucked it up. <laughs> And yeah, I am, it, it wasn't quite it wasn't quite the covert operation he was expecting it to be. I am not entirely convinced that he would be the first person ever to try and sneak a photo of somebody and have his flash on. That is a bad thing to happen. I've had that happen before when I was in Subway trying to take a picture of the guy behind the counter because he was like eight foot four, and uh, I was trying to hold my phone up and the flash went off. I was like, sick, absolutely rumbled. But the other point being. Why would Viv be using a public gym? Surely they're in their own little bubble and there's a gym at McDermott. Why would they be paying £19.99 a month to use a public gym? Well, that's it. So, yeah, I mean, I think he saw fellow with dreadlocks. He did, he did look like Viv. He did, very much like Viv, yeah. And it might have been Viv. I still don't know. We'll try and get clearance or we'll try and get an answer on this one. But I can't see why he'd be using a public gym. It was very difficult to tell if it was him or not because the flash, obviously, he took the photo from the mirror they were both standing in front of and it's just a big bright flash so it's very difficult to tell who it is but if, if anybody else has seen uh, Viv Solomon Autobar in the gym do let us know we've got one last O'Boyle spot but the details are very 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 sketchy on this one it's an anonymous one it, it's anonymous in many ways <laughs> yeah he's not told us the player or who he is but it's not the wholesome end <laughs> we want to this tale but we, we should regale it um, before moving on yes. very very quickly essentially yeah um, former St. Johnston player being basically really annoying bastard drunk uncle at a wedding. <laughs> demanding the wedding band carry on playing and demanding they play Caledonia once they stopped and then taking threatening the whole band with a fight. We don't know who it is, but it sounds like a good night out. I love a wedding. My friend Seamus, his wife Gemma is a, like in a wedding band and stuff and he went, well, we'd love just asking on a weekly basis what kind of capers, like how many punch-ups it is and there's like more jabs than a day at the Jure Centre outside some of these weddings. Ah, oh, it's it's not the place you'd sort of set in you'd think for a, 
for it to turn into the Royal Rumble. But there you go. People are strange. People are strange. So if you've been at a wedding where a former St. Johnson player has uh, kicked off, let us know. That could be a new feature. Oh, I mean, it's one it's one that the people would want. I think so. Well, we'll pencil that in as a New Year feature. But that's George O'Boy on the Royal. We've seen a random St. Johnson player. We don't know who it is. We've also seen uh, maybe Vivian Autobar, maybe, and we maybe have seen Sean Rooney. I'm not kind of, maybe we've not seen either of them. Who knows? Who knows? But what I want to know is where you've seen these Saintlies. And i got to tell you, I'm aching to know. I'm yearning to know. i got to know where you've seen them. But you might be thinking, you might be like, Dan, I've seen the Saints. I've seen them all over the shop. But how do I get in touch with you? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you in a minute. But first of all, I'm going to give a couple of examples of where Saints you might have seen. You might have seen them. And I'm aching to know. I'm yearning to know. I've got to know what you've seen them up to. And now... We've been a little bit goal shy recently. We don't we don't score goals anymore. So a couple of, so just just for a reminder of what it was like. We're gonna go back to two one of the great strike partnerships in the history of the club for this week's examples. So if you have ever seen the club's record goal scorer, John Brogan, if you've ever seen John Brogan having a bloody lovely old time riding the carousel at MDs. I can just imagine he's there, he's bobbing up and down, he's spanking the back of the back of the back of the carousel horse. He's like, giddy up, buddy, we're going on an adventure. And then he just keeps going in circles. So if you've ever seen that, you come and let us know. And he's partnering crime, he's partnering goals. Ali McCoist, the nation's sweetheart. Ali McCoist. If you've ever seen Ali McCoist firing it into Patsy Kenzie, you come and let the boys know. If, if you've ever seen, I don't know why you would have seen that. I don't know why you would have been in the room. But if you were, you come and let the boys know. We'd be very interested in a lot of aspects of that particular tale. So if, you come, so if you've ever seen this, you come and let us know. But I've got now, I promised you I'd tell you, I'll let us know. So I'm going to tell you. i got to tell you, you've got to let us know. Don't say it's on Instagram. Don't say it's on Twitter. Don't say it's on com, the contact section. And the old facey. B, stop sharing the photo of the guy who stripped off his worst Christmas do. <laughs> seen that. It happens every year, and I've seen I've seen that big flappy ass crack more than enough. <laughs> you can get up to better activities by coming and chatting to the boys. You ignore all that, you come and let the boys know. And then when you do, we'll have a damn good time. Boom! Get there! Lovely. Did you see the, the picture of the guy getting wheeled off in the wheelchair from his Christmas day out? Oh. It was in the rounds on Twitter. It was absolutely incredible. Just kind of in a wheelchair, like absolutely steaming out his nut. But, do you know, let's move on. Let's move on to happier time. Let's move on to this. It's our headline act. It's our guest of the week. And what a guest we have got in store for their listeners tonight, Dan. Oh, tremendous. Absolutely cannot wait for this. Be brilliant. E. He played with us for three years, signed by John McClelland. Maybe not getting as many games under his belt as he wished, but he may be more familiar to St. Johnston fans or younger ones as the man that took Gretna at the Premier League. Ooh, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a tricky wank talking about this, but, but we all get through it. But he's an absolute gentleman, a legend, a great manager, thought highly by everybody in the game. We are delighted to welcome. It's Davey Irons. How are you doing, Davey? You okay? Been uh, kicked into your spare room, have you? <laughs> just about uh, <laughs> somewhere quiet 
Uh, that's it. That's it. I can see everybody there. Really appreciate you coming on. We actually, um, we've seen you up at the Aberdeen game, taking notes, obviously doing a bit of scouting for somebody, but we're just sitting right in front of you. So we're like, well, we we'll go speak to him. I said, nah, we'll leave him to it. You looked awfully busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should have. I was, I'm doing match reports for Motherwell. I watched the, the opposition. The, the team Motherwell play the following week. So that's why I was at Perth last week. I uh, brought you obviously did a very good job with getting the, the details on the Motherwell game. That was honking yesterday. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm taking all the credit, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but, Davey, it's a pleasure having you on. Thanks for very much for joining us. No, it's an absolute pleasure to be asked, Sam. I kind of feel guilty with my career at St. Johnson because I've probably never really contributed a lot. It's probably in their darkest period of their, kid- their history when we get relegated out of the Premier League. But it's nice to be remembered. So. Well, we'll actually touch on that. You were playing for Partick Thistle and you were approached by John McClelland. How did the move come around? Um, it was... Quite straightforward, that's just as you said. I was playing with Thistle, I was out of contract. Um, in those days, there was if you couldn't re- reach a fee, you had to go to a tribunal. Mm-hmm. So um, I was in dispute with Patrick Thistle. I don't know if you know the history, but we ended up going to court. Myself and Ray Farmingham, we were promised a signing on fee. When we, our promotion bonus at Thistle, when we, we signed, mm-hmm. we got promoted to the Premier League and they didn't give us our bonus. It was all in the contract, so okay. long story short, we ended up in the High Court in Edinburgh for two weeks. <sighs> um, so it was a very difficult time. I bet. But, um, so basically, Thistle said, listen, if you either drop the court case or you're not getting a contract, I says, well, I can't, I'm not dropping my case because mm-hmm. I, I had everything right and it was ridiculous. So I, I was out of a contract, St. Johnston approached me and uh, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, I came up, spoke with John McClelland. They were in the Premier League. You know, the facilities are well known at McDermott. Mm-hmm. You know, albeit it was 20 odd years ago, 25, 26 years ago. Um, it was it was still an attraction to come and sign for St. Johnson. They'd, a, they'd had a really good spell. Obviously, they changed manager and John McClelland had just taken over. So mm-hmm. he obviously wanted to put his stamp in the squad. So he's he brought in a few players that summer and I was one of them. So, Which is great, but the the first season at McDermott wasn't your most successful. Obviously, you had a, a pretty bad injury. It was 20 minutes into my debut <laughs> against Dundee United at McDermott. I still remember it to this day. I thought there was a hole in the ground that's turned the ball over the top. I just turned to run after it and my Achilles just went. And uh, that was me, 20 minutes gone. I think Jeff Brown must have been... He spent 100 grand on me, so I don't <laughs> think it was the best 100 grand he ever spent. Not ideal, though, how Jeff, but, if frugal is Jeff with his with money, he wouldn't have enjoyed that <laughs> bit of injury. No, no. He hardly spoke to me for the last next six months, I think, but <laughs> no, no. I must admit, St. St. Johnson were brilliant looking after me. Absolutely top class. But, he sent me to Lillyshaw, the mm-hmm. FA Rehab Centre, and they really, they really did everything they could to try and you know, get me back. So I'll which is never good. forget them for that. But you're good to know, like I said, that first season though, even though you weren't involved because of the injury, it was a it was a struggle and it's been well documented in the past about the maybe the a player backlash against the manager at the time. What was the feeling in the camp at the time? Because there was a, a lot of a lot of players came out in the press that a lot of players were maybe down tools. They just weren't keen with what was happening. What was your take on it from obviously from sitting back not playing? Yeah, from what I remember, um well, John McClellan didn't last that long, actually. Um, I can't remember exactly when they sacked him, but Paul Sturrock came in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
might have been about Christmas time, or maybe just before Christmas. Can't remember exactly when, but um, by that time, I don't know if you remember that season. There was three teams down in the Premier League because yep. of restructuring, so um, it was a real struggle because we had a bad start. To be fair, Paul Sturrock did a bit of wheeling and dealing. He got Billy Dodds in. Um, trying to think who else. He got a few. John O'Neill came in. Um, so he got a few players in, but just couldn't quite get get into that fourth bottom spot, and ultimately went down in the, the last day of the season. So it was it was difficult to sit and watching. You just totally nothing I could do. You just didn't feel part of things. I was away a lot down in Lillyshaw, so I didn't really. I wasn't in the dressing room that much during that first season I was there. So, but any time I was there, the players. I can't imagine any of them down in tools, to be honest. No. But I know there wasn't up. I think the backlash came towards John McClelland, as opposed to certainly not Paul Sturrock, uh, more so John McClelland, because I think he. There was a wee bit of suggestion that he might have done the dirty and gone behind the, the back of the, the previous manager, Alec Totten. Mm. And, um, he was obviously a was legendary status up in Perth. I'm quite sure. Aye. So, uh, um, have you ever read Alec Totten's book? I haven't actually. No, it's a it's a no. cra- it's a cracking read, and there's a uh, there's a couple of scathing chapters certainly aimed at <laughs> Mr. McClellan certainly. But uh, we had him oh, on a couple well. of weeks back, and um, he's a he's an absolute gentleman of a guy. I don't know if you know him or met him, but he's a lovely fella. Yeah, I have. I met. I'm fine. Funnily enough, I met him about a month, six weeks ago. I was playing in a charity game in uh, just near Falkirk, and Alec was presenting the trophy to the winning team. So I had a wee word with him then. He's looking well. Did you win? Were you in the winning team? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) It goes without saying. Dan? I was going to say, he's a legend in Perth, but I I think Falkirk's got a bigger claim to to Alec. I think that's where the heart lies. But uh, you mentioned about Paul coming in, Paul Stoic coming in, and for you coming back from injury at that point, was that almost like a little bit of a... was like, right... Here's my chance to almost not maybe like starting over because you you were out as you say you were out of it with the with the injury for a lot of the season before and um did you see that as a good opportunity to really start to impress with a new manager? Yeah, it was always. I remember thinking it was difficult, you know, because Rob McClellan signed me and then obviously I left not that long after and Paul Sturrock came in and as I say for the rest of that season I was. I wasn't even involved at all due to my injury. So, but come pre-season, he actually pulled me and made me uh, captain the, the following season. So it was, I got the impression it was obviously he liked me, he liked liked what I could do, and he gave me that bit of responsibility of being captain. So that was a that was a real honour because I'd never been captain any other club before. So that was a first, and it said a lot that he he put his faith in me to to give me that role. Paul Sturrock really started the kind of the turning the turning point in Saints' kind of upward fortune. He brought well, obviously players like Alan Preston, Jim Weir, Kev McGowan was there, uh, George O'Boyle, Roddy Grant came back. Um, some big big names in there: Alan Main, Andy Rhodes. Like I said, there are yep. some some cracking players to play for. You would have Sergio Baltacci would have been away just before you came. I'd imagine Sergio had gone. He'd gone. Uh, I think he'd gone north in Vanes. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. Although. Strangely enough, our paths met. Sergio actually became the SFA community officer, okay. community coach for Dumfries, where I live. Which area, yeah. 
Um, so when he came down, he, he got in contact. So I got to know him quite well for the, the period of time he was here. So lovely guy, a legend as a player as well. What a, what a really nice guy. Really yeah, nice he's, guy, so. he's a top fella. Obviously, you went into management. We all, well, we're going to have to touch on it at one point. <laughs> uh, you know where we're going with that. I but don't think St. John's, the St. Johnson and Gretna actually go together here. I don't know. We'll find out, but we'd like, <laughs> oh, to, oh my. We'd like to get your take on that. But um, how did, did Paul Sturrock, or who was the kind of managers that kind of, did you take anything on board from these managers you played with your Paul Sturrock's now as to your style of management? Or were you very much your own man? I think, I think you probably most people, when they go into management, will take bits and pieces from all the kind of managers they worked with. And I must say, Paul Sturrock and John Blackley, were, you know, they were very professional in everything they did. Um, Paul, I think he's probably, probably the first, it's his first job. He'd come from the D United, and I really think he put himself under a lot of pressure. He was determined to do well. Mm-hmm. And I think that second season, well, the season he's kind of first full season when we're in the championship he was you could see how desperate he wanted to do well you know but he was I think he was just finding his feet and um, listen I'm, everybody made mistakes but I remember I don't know if you recall he had a he collapse on the side of the pitch yeah, paradise, yeah. and I do think looking back that it was the stress he was putting himself under to be successful um, but I think after that you saw a different Paul Sturrock and he was more his own man Mm-hmm. I think he, he perhaps wanted to be a bit more like Jim McLean when he first came in and he's not that type of personality he's, he's a really nice guy and he wasn't that much older than some of the players like myself um, who were there you know so but no he was I think you just have to look at his career he's had even since you're right he did make he started Johnson off in terms of the upward and onwards, but um, ever, since, ever since then, he's been down south, he's been very successful everywhere he's been, so, mm-hmm. no, he's, uh, took a lot of, particularly his actual coaching, some of the drills and things he did on the, on the training ground, they were the things that I take from Paul Sturrock. Brilliant. Let's touch on your management career, um, we'll get into one at the moment, Stenhouse Schmier, uh, my uh, my wife's brother, uh, William Hogan, was uh, head of the community coaching at Warriors in the community. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I was actually speaking to him today. He said, I was top lad, top coach. Um, I think you were Brown's assistant as well. That's right, yeah, yeah. Aye, uh, so, um, career extended. A difficult season, obviously, last year with the, the old COVID, and it was well documented in the press that you didn't take a salary or anything like that. Um, how did you How did you find that as a, as a challenge uh, in a season where... There's no money coming in, playing by it's just a just difficult times. Yeah, it was. A, to be honest, it was horrible, Sam. It was a it was a bit stop start initially. We started off the season late in I think it was October, September, October time, mm-hmm. and then we had about eight games, and then it came to a halt again. Um, and then when we came back, it was a case of well, we're only going to play eighteen games. We're going to have half the season missing. And uh, so we couldn't, we couldn't, we were just basically playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday to get the games finished. You couldn't train, couldn't have showers, you know, you, you weren't allowed in the same dressing room. You could, we had like four different rooms, there'd be four lads in each room and you're going down doing four different team or four team talks, you know, at different times. And it was, they're traveling on your own. It was just, it was, and ultimately there was no fans there either. So no. it was just, and I, I'm, 
I'm not just saying it was Dennis Muir, it was the same for all the, certainly the lower league teams. I know the Premier was slightly different, but the lower league teams, it was just a, I think it was just a means to an end to get the season finished. And mm-hmm. it was, ultimately I lost lost my job at the end of that, But which I found a wee bit, I found that hard to take because I thought it was pretty unjust to be judged on a, that type of season. Uh, you know, but nothing to compare it to I'm either. Not, I'm not the first, I'm not the last. I mean, Raymond, I think Ray McKinnon lost his job at Queen's Park and he won the league. So, um, so I it was it wasn't a good year for I don't think for anybody to be honest. No, and fingers crossed that uh, we can twenty two will be a bit brighter. But time will tell on that one. Um, happier times as a manager, maybe not in St Johnson neck of the woods, but your time at Gretna uh, was considered a fairy tale of Scottish football. How was it? How was that for you? The whole Gretna experience. It was it was incredible, Sam. I mean, yep. it was started. I started as a part-time forty-year-old, forty-two-year-old footballer. That's how I went. And they wanted, when they got into the league the first time they got elected, um, ironically enough, in the back of Clyde Bank going mm-hmm. out of business, which is one of old one another one. There's a theme here. Clyde <laughs> Bank went out of business. <laughs> um, but um, I just went there with no illusions, no aspirations of anything other than just helping a wee village team playing in League 2 um, obviously fast forward a couple of seasons the backer came in Brooks Myelson his, his ambition and his determination to just to have a have a bit of fun as his words were and to try and wind up the top end echelons of Scottish football and he just he just had a dream and Funnily enough, there was quite a few excellent Johnson lads there as well. I was going to um, say that, Alan the likes of Alan Main you would have played with. John, um... Alan played with Alan, John O'Neill. Yeah. John O'Neill, John O'Neill is probably one of the best players I've played with and coached. He was phenomenal and he was at the end, you know, the end of his career when he came to Gretna. Mm-hmm. But the, the cup final, he was man of the match in the cup final. He yeah. was absolutely superb. You know, and... Uh, so I had Alan, John O'Neill, um, as a couple, and big Scotty Patterson actually came down um, towards the end of his, he had a bad injury and he came, and came to us for the kind of last part of the season as well. So mm-hmm. I, there was a recent Johnson connection. So I, it was a, listen, anybody that was there will tell you it was a brilliant experience. I know there's a critics. I know we had the, you know, the, it was always doomed for failure, but to be part of it for, it gave me eight years in a level of football that I thought I'd finished with because I was like in my forties when all this started, you know. So um, it was brilliant. Um, you talked about lots of ex St. Johnston connections. There was an ex Dundee connection as well, and uh, James Grady. Um, what is your memories of that day in Dingwall? We were at Hamilton that day. Um, it was. It was for people that don't know or are younger listeners. It was. I think he's were thirteen points ahead with four games to go, or something very, very similar. And Saints had managed to get the three wins he needed. Gretna lost the last three. So went into the last game of the season. You needed a win or a point. Um, and you needed to go up to Dingwall for that. What's your memories of that day? Yeah, well, it was tight. Because I mean, St. John's, we did, on paper, it looked like we had quite a healthy lead. But St. John's had games in hand because they had a couple of good cup runs that year mm-hmm. as well. I think Owen Coyle, I think he got to a semi-final. Or yeah. Both competitions, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I remember St. Johnson came down to Gretna and if 
Grant had beaten St. Johnson. We had won the league that day. St. Johnson beat us 2-0. So that basically started the, the pressure back onto us. St. Johnson then had a midweek game. They won it. We went to Airdrie, drew. St. Johnson had a Saturday game. I think they won it. We drew with Clyde. So we're then back. The last game of the season, we had to at least match or better St. Johnson's result at Hamilton. So we were, I think we went a point ahead. Um, you probably know, I don't know if well, you might not know, there was a legend has it that there was a delay on the Keswick Bridge going across Inverness. And unfortunately, it was true. There was someone threatening to jump off. Mm-hmm. So we, the, the road was closed. So we the game was delayed for maybe seven or eight minutes. Um, obviously, St. Johnson kicked up at three o'clock at, ha- at Hamilton. So we knew St. Johnson game had finished. And I can remember vividly looking at my watch when somebody said that St. Johnson have won. I looked at my watch, so I think it was about three minutes to go, 2-2, two, two, and I thought, we've blown it, we've blown it. I'll be remembered as the manager that has blown a 13-point lead. <laughs> but um, just at that We point, wish you were, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking, so, but... Uh, but... But as I've looked up, I was the ball was in the far side at, at Dingwall, just about the halfway line, and our fullback hit a diagonal, 40, 50 yard diagonal. What a pass it was, right to David Graham, mm-hmm. who took a touch. And I thought he was going to shoot, but he's, he's squared it to James Grady and he stuck it in the net, and it was just bedlam after that, you know. I tell people it was like a Guerrero moment for Man City. Yeah. You know, last kick of the ball, literally to win the championship and it was it was incredible it really was but more it was more relief than anything because of the the pressure that season had really built up and there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes which ultimately led to the, the demise of Gretna but there was so much going on it was it was so difficult to actually work we were having to reduce get rid of players bring in young players it was just constant but we got there in the end, but ultimately, I remember thinking when we were driving back down the trophy in the front of the bus, I thought, what have we done? What have we done? We had no ground. We couldn't play at Gretna. I played at Motherwell, we weren't you? had to play at Motherwell. There was never going to be enough people travelling from Gretna to Motherwell. I mean, it's 80, 90, mile round trip, eh, 90 miles up the road. So I thought, what have we done? And I was probably proved right but it was a great experience it really was but it was sad the way things ended particularly when people you know it was a a guy Brooks Mileson who lost he, he died mm-hmm. due to an illness that he contracted that uh, the end of that season for the rest of the the one year that we were in the Premier League so he never actually saw any of the, really any of the games he was too ill to attend and okay. it was quite sad in that respect Um I know there's obviously a, a bit of rivalry with, with St. Johnson and Gretna based on that. And I know there was, yeah, we had the money. We had the money, albeit for a short period of time. And, you know, I think I, I look at a lot of clubs in Scotland that have all done this. Livingston did it, Dundee have done it, you know, up and down, up and down. Teams have gone bust in the back of trying to chase that holy grail. Gretna weren't any different from some of these, Sam, to be honest. Absolutely right. Dan, 
Yeah, um, just a very sort of very quick one, Davey, obviously, because you you had another experience of Gretna sort of later on in your career because you've gone from the sort of, as you described, the highs and the sort of roller coaster ride of the original club. You actually went back to manage the, the Phoenix Club. Uh, how was <laughs> how was that? Phoenix Knights. Phoenix Knights, <laughs> yeah. No, I just realised that when I said it. The Brian Potter of Grenada 2008. That's, I know, right? That's yeah, how but... what's it? That's our weekly Phoenix Knights reference out of the way there. And, uh... Yeah, I went back, Danny. Um, they're in the Lowland League, actually, at the moment, albeit they're struggling. But they, they came back in uh, 2008 and they went into the East of Scotland League initially, but then with this kind of semi-pyramid system that they've introduced in Scotland, um, Gretna were put into the Lowland League. So um, I got a chance. They asked me if I'd come back and help them. And I wasn't doing anything. I'd left Stennis Muir. I was, I was on my doorstep and I thought, you know, why not? You know, and I had these visions of going back down and getting them back in the league and stuff. But I think, if anything, Gretna will be lucky to survive in the Lowland League. In the next year or two, you know, there's albeit they've got a new they've got a new ground pitch, they've got a brand new 4G pitch, um, so that they're trying to be a community club now as opposed to messing with the, the big boys in Scottish football. Has Raydale been demolished? Is that gone now? Is it? No, it's still there, Sam. It's still the. You probably did. You ever go to Raydale? I did. Sam? Yeah, did that, that season, the, the the game we lost two 0 I think uh, it was a bitter cold. I think it was maybe November right. December time. That season, yeah. um, we had Michael Brazil, McGovern in our goal who had an absolute howler. He ended up going on to play for Northern right. Ireland. Unbelievable. I know. <laughs> but the, the stand that you were in is still mm-hmm. there. Okay. Behind the goal. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then this, it's the same down the, the kind of dugout side. It's just the same, but they've got a new, as I say, they've got a new 4G pitch, but it's, it's, not, it's not suitable for league football now, wouldn't it? It wouldn't reach the standards required. So. Wouldn't pass it. Uh, no, no. But, but you touched on there, maybe uh, about um, chasing the dream. Now, that's something St. Johnson have never done, ever. Jeff Brown came out and said it in the 90s, this is the model, we will always stick to it. And they managed to achieve two cups last season. What did you What did you make of that? Oh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, I used to, used to pick Callum Davidson up in the mornings when he couldn't drive. He was a, part-time player with St. Johnson, a student at Edinburgh University. He had this dilemma, just go full-time at the Chuck Uni, what did I do? And I remember speaking to his mum and dad and giving them a bit of advice. He was even asked, Paul Sturrock was trying to get rid of him at Forfar at one point. Um, and I said to Callum, stay, listen, just sit tight, you know, things will change. So from a purely personal note, I'm absolutely delighted for Callum Davidson and what happened for him and delighted for the club obviously St Johnson to achieve I keep saying to people Callum had a better he was a better manager than Stephen Gerrard Callum's <laughs> won more trophies than Stephen Gerrard you know and um, it was fantastic I'm just sorry that you never got a chance to be there as a, you know for the fans either cup finals that was a bit of a bit of a letdown I suppose but it was brilliant for Callum brilliant for St Johnson how do you match that? How do you ever? How do you better that? That's, you know, uh, I don't um, think you ever can. No, we, you we take it as a, a one-off. We're just 
put it down to the annals of history and be delighted. This season, though, slightly different. Um, you were there um, in the Aberdeen game. Uh, we lost 1-0. Uh, you were taking notes as we discussed at the top of the show. How does he, as a manager, in your opinion, how does he how does he turn this round now? He's obviously a young, inexperienced manager. Um, bottom of the table, not something, and he's struggling with goals. I think nine goals in 18-odd games. How would you, How? what advice would you give Callum now to kind of deal with this? I think the, the good, one of the first things I would say is I'd like to think Callum's not under any pressure and mm. that'll allow him to keep his focus and not get distracted by people, you know, boot the boo boys or whatever. I'm not saying there is any, but you know, there's, mm-hmm. for anybody else sitting in that situation, he probably would feel a bit of pressure. And I'm, Callum maybe does feel it himself, but I'd like, I'd hope as a club, they're not putting them under any pressure. I'm quite sure they're not. So th- that's one thing that he can forget about and allow him to focus on exactly what he needs to do. You touched on it, Sam. They're not scoring goals. They're not scoring goals. You've lost your best three players. Mm-hmm. You know, Ali McCann's a massive... What a, dip, what a loss he was to you. Yeah. You know, same at the back. You know, you're, you've lost your skipper as well. You know, they were big, big losses. But I think Callum, from, I don't think there's that much wrong with the team. When I watched him against Aberdeen, it was a, a goal they lost. It was never, shouldn't have been allowed. You know, but they're just not scoring goals. I spoke to my, ironically enough, my two sons are both Motherwell fans. Lewis and Luke are Motherwell fans. Yeah. Lewis used to work at Motherwell, but he's at the SFA now. But he still does Motherwell TV and stuff. So he does a commentary. Okay. I, I spoke to him after the game yesterday and he, he just thought St. Johnson just looked like they'd run out of ideas. And that's a worry. That's a worry. And I listened to Callum's interview after the game and he, he's obviously taking full responsibility and I think he's concerned about the fact that the team didn't look like they were committed yesterday, which I've never heard that before, mm-hmm. not in Callum's time. Yeah, we're, we're kind of so, there. They kind of look second best to a lot of the balls and it. January maybe can't come quick enough. I think it's, he's due a big old January, but I'm pretty sure we've been bottom of the table the last two Christmases, so it's it's not on charter territory for the team, certainly, to have a, a fairly big yeah. uh, turn of the year. But we'll finish up. Our pressure's up. We've, we've got your time here, Dave. We appreciate it. But we'll finish up. What's, oh, ne- what's next for you? Where will we see you next? Um, probably next time I'm watching St. John's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Hopefully, hopefully I'll get. I just, as I say, I watched the the team that Motherwell are playing the, the following week. So, um, St. Johnson, can I just say, are the only club that gives me two tickets because my son likes to come to games with me. But St. Johnson, the only club that gives me two tickets. Rangers stick you right in the corner, up against a wall, behind a a bin, and all sorts. <laughs> Celtic, are, you're up in the gods. So. St. Johnson have still got that bit of class where they treat people properly. So oh, hopefully I'll I'll get a chance to go and see St. Johnson again, albeit in uh, better results. We need everyone uh, to I'm come. Sure they we, will. we need everyone to come that we can, Davy. I'm telling you, I was at Livingston against Ross County yesterday. St. Johnson are better than both of those teams. They really are. And I know that I think that's the next I think I think they play Ross County quite soon, don't Got they? Got them on Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday um, evening, yep. Um Wednesday. It's, it's a big one. Aye. Looking at the game yesterday, St. Johnson, even even despite they're not playing as they're not winning games, 
they've got better players in both those teams. So well, a wee bit of luck, a wee bit of backing. Hopefully Jeff will, well, maybe not so much Jeff, but his son will put his hand in his pocket and give Callum a bit of money. Because you're not going to get a, a goal scorer for nothing. That's the one area no. of the pitch you have to spend money on. and He does need somebody to take that pressure off and score a goal or two for him. So hopefully, fingers crossed, they'll get that. We've got all our fingers crossed as well. Davey, very much appreciate you coming on. Hope you have a lovely Christmas. Say hi to all the family for us and take care and hopefully we'll see you up at McDermott very soon. Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise, and all the best to everybody at St. Johnson and all the fans. Good, Have man. a good Christmas. You too. Thanks, Davey. Cheers now. See you oh, later, thank buddy. You, see you thanks, later, thanks, Danny. See you yeah, later. Bye. Bye-bye. What a guy, eh? What a guy. Oh, fabulous guy. Really is. Um, just a, a, such a nice lad and so generous with his time. I was, doing the broken record thing again, but... He, he, he can't lie. No, we knew he was going to be good because as soon as we even approached him, he, he was just being forthcoming. He said, whatever you need, whenever you need me, I'm more than happy to help and chat about my time with Saints. Love the club. So brilliant, lovely guy. And I hope uh, he's got something out of that. Even though he took Gretna up, I can forgive him almost. We we can we can let the Gretna thing slide. Yeah. We can even let the the fact that he obviously masterminded Motherwell's victory yesterday slide. <laughs> Mind you, I could have masterminded that if I handed notes. Yeah. As long as you score a goal, you'll probably win. Yeah, you'll be you'll be all right. <laughs> but no, thanks, Sim. We have and we've got some cracking guests coming up in the new year, Dan. We do. We've got we'll keep them under our hats for now, but it is an absolute who's who of St. Johnston. So we are Really looking forward to it all and looking forward to bringing you all these star names. Yeah, we're literally trying to keep it as varied as possible. Like I said, we've had Murray Davidson, then we went like Paul Cherry. We're, we're trying to cover everybody, so there's something for everybody. We're going to try and get more players from the 80s involved. The problem, main problem with that being is technology, because obviously the further we go back, the older they are, and technology plays more, more of an issue. But we are doing our utmost to get as many kind of varied and different guests as possible for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We, wanna, we know we've got a bit of a, a broad, broad church out there in terms of listenership, and that's that's brilliant. So we want to we want to cater to everyone. We want everyone to enjoy all the aspects of the podcast. Exactly right. But let's move on. We have a massive game. A lot of people will might hear this afterwards, but uh, a massive game on Wednesday coming against Ross County. The rearranged game from the the flooding, not caused by Tommy Wright. Apparently, he brings all the the bad weather. Did you read the oh, headline? I, I I quite like the fact he got the fog cost him his job. Unbelievable! Even if they won that, would he have gone afterwards? I reckon somewhat. There's somewhat foot there. I reckon. Yeah. Um, I, I I would be very just the way it's sort of happened. I'd be very surprised if it's not if it's yeah if it's not all going to move along very very quickly. But yeah, um, county, it's. Right. I'm going to make the most obvious statement in the world here. It's a must win. But every game at the minute is a must win. The Rangers game last Wednesday, we'd never ever say losing to Rangers feels like hammer blow under normal circumstances. About the Rangers game, we, we, we've not touched on it really uh, at all. Um, I just want to ask your opinion on Callum Davidson's comments about Etu Vertanen. It was very out of character for him, I thought. He's obviously frustrated that, but wasn't wasn't he? It wasn't Eatsy's fault that we lost that game. 
at the end of the day. I know he obviously gave the ball away in the build-up to the corner, but there was an awful lot happened in between. And there was mistakes made in between Itu giving the ball away and Morello sticking the ball in the net that players didn't get dug out for. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was a little bit, let's say, it surprised me actually. And I thought it was a little bit out of character. Or it seems out of character. Look, it's obvious he's not Callum's guy. Yeah. He's, I, I, I don't know who brought him into the club. It's pretty obvious Callum hasn't been impressed with him. And he is very, very raw. And to be quite honest with it, probably isn't good enough or isn't, isn't what we need at the minute. Um, but any manager digging any player out individually for a defeat is pretty bad chat. It doesn't matter whether you're Liam Craig, 430-odd games for the club, or whether you're Itu Vitae and he was making like his second start, your second or third start, whatever it was, you, you don't dig a player out. Yeah, absolutely don't do it like that. And um, I'd hope that he reflected on it and realised it was a... And, and it is just that... I, I think what we're seeing more and more of with Callum is just that little bit of inexperience telling. And I don't mean that in a bad way. That actually sounds like I meant it in a really bad way, that. But uh, I think it's just a just a reminder that this is a guy that is at the, at the start of his managerial career, is at the start of the process. So... Yeah, um, hopefully he learns from that. Hopefully that's the one time he ever does it in his career because it just seemed a little bit petty. Yeah, um, it was certainly out of character. But anyway, we'll move on. I just wanted to get your opinion on that one because I never asked. Uh, Ross County, Ross County on Wednesday, big, big game. Will we get something out of it? Can we get something out of it? Oh, can we get something out of it? Yeah, of course we can. The, The issue is, which I'm still seeing, it doesn't matter whether it's County or Aberdeen or Rangers, whoever. We're not creating enough chances. And all right, people slag off the forwards and all that. It's really, really difficult when you're feeding off scraps. I do think, though, that even as bad as the mobile game was, I still sort of think there's enough there that makes me think, right, it can turn around. I think maybe it's just naivety or hopefulness. Um, but the two newer guys, as I say, Butterfield and, and Viv, would be maybe you know you'd sort of hope there's there's going to be chances coming from them. We'll see. I I don't know. I I think on present form, I can't believe I'm saying this on a St Johnston podcast, but I'd actually make county favourites for the game potentially. But Davy Irons, like you said, saw Ross County and Livingston, um, and he said that we are better than both of them. Whether he's just putting his <sighs> lips, I don't know. But they they are probably on current form. Any team's got to be a favourite against us, but we've got a tricky running after this. We've got Celtic Hearts and Livingston away, so before the the winter break. So hopefully, as long as we are still in touch and distance, and we're not absolutely ten points clear at the bottom, which we really could do without. But time will tell. It's Christmas time. We know what happens. It is Christmas time. There is no need to be afraid. No, I, I'm not going to be at the county game um, because literally. 10 minutes after I put my train down south for Christmas uh, on that day, on that Wednesday, it was announced that was a day it was rearranged for. Of course so, it was. Yeah, absolutely standard. So, yeah, we will, if, if we win and if we get something against Celtic, I will never show my sorry asses at, at McDermott Park again. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so yeah, no, look, it's hard to stay positive at the minute when you're just losing all the time. But let's let's at least try it. Let's let's see how we go. And it, I actually saw something the other day. There was a bit of a well, we missed it because it was at the game. But there's something said on commentary um, about how fans have a role to play. Some people talk badly to that. Uh, I actually agree because it is a whole club effort. You can't dig your head into the sand and sort of happy clap your way out of it. No. But, you know, we, it all needs to be one thing. We all need to be sort of, needs to be a bit of positivity around the place and a bit of backing. Um, you can see the lads are fucking shattered in terms of the confidence. Uh, they're they're hurting. They, they must be hurting. I mean, I mean, and they are professionals. And again, it's it's another thing Callum keeps saying about oh, it's lack of you know lack of fight and all that. Yeah, I don't know. It, they probably haven't. Probably relates back to the confidence thing. I don't think that's the be all and end all. I do still see. I do still think that the good on his hard-working lads in the main in that team. So they just they, I just think the, the hurting and the, the, the confidence is shot. But I think the bigger issue, rather than any lack of heart or anything like that, is just the inability to get a foot on the ball mm-hmm. and string more than four passes together. I am more than so, confident it will come, but that's my opinion. It, when it... I still think one. I still think we're one or two good results and performances away from possibly turning it around. We just need to make sure we're not cut. As you said, Sam, just make sure we're not cut adrift and climbing, climbing up Everest in our slippers in the second half of the season. I remember reading a Twitter comment about the Sherpas of Scotland are literally like you're climbing up Ben Nevis and there's a guy with Nike Air Max coming down walking his dog. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely fair enough. I remember Lynn climbed Ben Nevis and there was a guy walking down with his baby in a little holder and he had like a, a Nike jumper on. <laughs> How do these guys do? Um, my, bro- my brother-in-law and um, a few pals did it years and years ago now. But um, they'd all turned up in like the proper gear, or most of them had. And one of the lads turned up in an Armani jacket, <laughs> a pair of Versace jeans, and just to top the outfit off, as well, a pair of rock pots. <laughs> Lynn loves a pair of rock pots. I used to have rock pots at school. 90s daft. Love the 90s. I do love the 90s. Do you know what we love? You guys for listening. We have come to the end of another episode. We just want to thank Mike Pringle, who came on for our Wendy Who feature, David Irons for coming on and being our headline act guest of the week, to Danny for being a superb co host as always. We want to thank our subscribers who contribute every single month to us. They still get their newsletter and we send interviews out to them, but it's more than that. It's just a really big help. And thanks very much for keeping supporting the podcast. All the listeners, everybody that listens to the podcast on a weekly basis, thank you very much. We do it for you guys. And we hope every single person I mentioned there has a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, Sam, I couldn't have said that any better myself. Just like to add a massive thank you to you that for basically keeping this whole thing going. Um, and yeah, being the being the best podcast host or the best St. Johnston podcast host in Oxerada. So Yes. Well <laughs> no, well well done to yourself, mate. Um because yeah, we've reached the 
Yeah, you know, it's Christmas and we hope everyone has such a bloody lovely Christmas. And um, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break because I'll be away and we're going to let you all enjoy your festive period without being bummed out so <laughs> having to listen about your football club being a bit rubbish. Yeah, that's it. We're taking a week off. We won't be back next week, but we'll be back just after the new year in two weeks' time. So we're taking a week off to enjoy the festive period. Like I said, Dan's away back down south. You have a very Merry Christmas and everybody... Oh, and we Hopefully will, away back down south. Yeah, fingers crossed, unless um, the Omicron festival kicks in and we're not going anywhere again. Omicron, that I'm a nut. Aye, that's it. Maybe we should set a podcast to fill the time. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> See you, see you in the new year, everyone. Keep the faith. Yeah. Love you. Have a lovely time, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.